0: Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crash The Geek Show episode 270, recorded on Sunday the 16th of June 2019 at 9 minutes and 55 seconds past midnight. I had planned on doing this show yesterday. Well, about an hour ago. But of course, when I got to the show notes, I realised there were a few last-minute things that I wanted to add. And by the time I had amended the show notes, it was Sunday. So, I suppose, technically, this is a supposed-to-be Saturday show that has gone on to say. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. All I know is it was really irritating because I had to do a global search and replace of the dates in my show notes text file and more on text files and the hell that they are in a bit. Why have I been absent from the podcast? I had something called a head cold. I wasn't that sick, No real coughing, not much sneezing, but I was unable to breathe through my nose, and I'm guessing, yeah, I'm still a bit stuffy, so I'm sorry about my slightly laboured breathing and the odd weird snort that you may hear in this podcast, I'll try and edit them all out but I'm sure that won't be entirely possible. Apologies in advance. It was weird, you know. Last Sunday, I went to the pub after really haranguing and guilting people into going with me. Although saying that, I did have to go to a pub that I wouldn't usually go to. And it was a surprisingly long drive. But I think it was worth going out because I actually talked to people and I didn't have to make my own dinner. That was last Sunday. But anyway, getting to the stuffy bit. Yeah, during the night it seemed like I had some kind of weird allergy attack. It suddenly seemed impossible for me to breathe at all through my nose. I was completely blocked up and my normal breathing was a bit laboured. As that developed over the next day or so, I was really afraid I was having some kind of weird allergy attack that might kill me. I was really that worried, because I didn't seem to have any other symptoms of a cold. Not at that stage, anyway. It was pretty odd. Finally, when I did have some other cold symptoms... Then I knew it probably wasn't an allergy, I had the aching limbs and everything, and a bit of a headache, so that was a relief. It was only a cold, but like I said, it made breathing and talking without sounding ridiculous, although I'm fairly sure I sound slightly ridiculous tonight, difficult, and that's why the podcast has been delayed. Yeah, head colds? are a thing. Oh, and a tea tree oil update. I bought a tea tree cleanser from Boots for my itchy eye. I've been talking about this for a while. Go back to the last episode, I think. 269, to read more about that. Yeah, I have an itchy eye socket area around my right eye so i tried this cleanser for a few days and then it seemed to work and then it really didn't work and i ended up with a bleeding blister underneath my eye so i would just like to reiterate what i have said before If your eye is giving you trouble, do not DIY some kind of remedy, even if it seems to be the right thing to do according to Boots. Just go to your doctor. In fact, on the tea tree cleanser instructions, it says if you have an irritable reaction, stop taking this stuff immediately, which does not really fill one with a great deal of confidence. My eye has slowly improved of its own accord. I'm just washing my face in a normal way. Yeah, that could have been worse. And while we're still on the subject of medical thingies, because I know how much my audience loves me talking about my (laughs) various stupid, piddling little medical issues... Actually, before I go into that, I finally admitted to my mum on Skype the other day that maybe I have a little bit of a delicate constitution, which is something my parents have always said. But I've shrugged it off, because if you listen to those things, you'll never do anything. You'll just be at home, you'll never try a skateboard, you'll never fall off a skateboard, you'll never crash your bike multiple times. Anyway... When I admitted that, my mum said, yes, yes, you are delicate. (sighs) I've got the constitution of a nerd. Oh, yeah, that medical thingy that I completely forgot about. Do you remember I mentioned that I was supposed to have this appointment about a month ago? And then nothing happened. I think I mentioned that in 268. Well, just recently, my phone rang, which is an event in itself because it never rings. And yeah, almost a month later, a person gets in touch and says something about being off and now catching up with their work. Now that level of not doing your job. I mean, I haven't met the person, so maybe that is a good excuse, but surely not just one person is doing this job. Surely this is a departmental type of responsibility. If someone's off, it doesn't mean the entire chain of work collapses. And it really bugs me because I'm sad When I'm late taping a podcast, and you've heard my numerous pathetic excuses, but I do feel guilty about not doing a podcast, and the thing is, no one pays me to tape these podcasts. How about jobs where you actually get money for your work? Surely you should feel more inclined to doing your job? Come on, people. Uh I don't know. Well, I do know. It's just really annoying. And fills me with... Uh, mild rage, I suppose. And rage. Okay. Since I have been off, let's catch up with the news. And the way I was going to do this is I was saving all my tabs in the Chrome browser on my Android phone. And the idea was i do this whole podcast by the seat of my pants, which I have done before, and then retrospectively do the show notes by listening to what I've actually said. I had all this stuff lined up to say, and it would be mildly amusing. I'm looking at my show notes now. There was even a reference to Lon Chaney and Charles Loughton. Which, if you think about it, makes sense, because I was going to say, the tabs, the tabs, Esmeralda, the tabs. But now that's not relevant, because in a fit of grrr rage, when I looked through these tabs and realised the immense amount of work it would be just to do something seat of the pants, I rage deleted the lot of them. Now when I wrote these notes, I was thinking this would leave me very little to talk about today. That was a few days ago, and since I've managed to find lots of things to talk about. So let's do the show. In the culture section this week, we are talking about the handmaid's tale, Chernobyl, and Swamp Thing, let's start off with the handmaid's tale. Oh dear. It is never, ever going to end. It has become just one long depression and revenge tease. And I just can't be bothered to get excited about it anymore. And the radios of the Gilead military are still buzzing. Just to let us know that this is an oppressive state, and we have known this from... Season 1, and I'm still banging on about it, and I know the showrunner knows that this is annoying, but they probably don't care, because nerds like me constantly talk about it, and now it's become almost a combative thing. We complain about it. They passively, aggressively ignore it. And I also think... That this show is just going to run and run and run. It's going to be drawn out. Until it disappears with a whimper. I am watching it. But I'm no longer excited. When a new episode comes out. I can wait a week. Maybe more. If there's something. If there's anything else interesting to do. That. ...is not the case for Chernobyl, which manages to do everything The Handmaid's Tale doesn't do. I avoided the show for so long because it looks depressing... ...and then I succumbed to peer pressure because everyone was watching it and watched it anyway. It is depressing, but I found that I could watch it. Which is interesting. I generally avoid anything that's sad. It just does me in. I think this was done in a way that, yeah, it was sad, but it was also interesting. It was also topical. It also filled you with anger about nuclear power. Do I really need to describe the Chernobyl disaster? It happened in the late 80s when the Chernobyl reactor very badly run and also there were technical problems that no one knew about and then it went kablooey and there was a big fire and it spread radiation everywhere and the area has been uninhabited for years but thanks to very brave Firemen, workers, emergency services, everyone involved. It didn't turn into a global nuclear disaster. Another thing that surprised me is that it was back in the late 80s. I swear it was in the 90s sometime. I don't know how it was that far back now. It doesn't seem credible. I remember that the internet was around when the Chernobyl disaster happened, but apparently not. No, I was in university, I think, for the first time, or just about to start university. Time really seems weird. Anyway, sorry for that bit of strange time-travelling tangent, but back to Chernobyl. Yeah, it is excellent and it is short. It is only a miniseries. They say everything that they need to say in only a few episodes, which is the way it should be, which is the way I thought a show like The Handmaid's Tale was ideally suited. Even more surprising, the scriptwriter and producer and the person behind this was Craig Mazin, someone who irritates me no end. When I have listened to him on the Script Notes podcast, which I don't do anymore, mainly because he annoys me so much. But props to Craig Mason for doing a brilliant job with Chernobyl. It is really good writing. And also, someone who I've had mixed feelings about before, Jared Harris, was absolutely brilliant as the main protagonist. ...of this show. Really great acting. So impressed. I can't really recommend this enough... ...and that's Chernobyl. Before I leave Chernobyl behind... ...there was one episode... ...that had a little bit of the making of... ...not too much, just a little bit of background... ...and the research into this thing... ...was amazing as well. I'm just so impressed. It looked like such... A feat of hard work to pull this off. And even with everyone speaking English, it wasn't as weird as I thought it would be. I personally don't like things set in another country where everyone's speaking English. It just seems a bit strange. I would have preferred Russian speakers with subtitles, but it's okay in this case. And on to Swamp Thing. Well, as you know by now, it has been cancelled after the first season. I have absolutely no idea why. I've heard rumours of tax, of this, of that, of a whole lot of things. Overall, people in the industry don't really seem to know why this was cancelled, but it has been. So, again, I might watch an episode or two, but I'm not particularly bothered to watch each episode the moment it drops. This is a pity because I thought Swamp Thing was pretty good and the way it leaned into horror really heavily was something that I really like. I really appreciate that as a horror buff. But yeah, it has gone. That's all I really have to talk about culture this week. Let's move on to technology news, both personal and global. I had a bit of extra free time this week, not podcasting, not really writing, just trying to breathe. So I did the thing that you should always do when you have a problem with your respiratory tract, and that is dusting. No, don't do that, really. Yeah, I did a little bit of cleaning, which means some of my stuff, particularly my technology, is cleaner, or rather less disgusting. And top of the list was my keyboard. If you don't believe how disgusting my keyboard was, have a look at my Twitter account, at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. It is horrible. I bought the canned air that everyone recommends. I bought it for one pound at Poundland, which is just as well, because it isn't the ideal thing for cleaning your keyboard. It is really easy to freeze your keycaps or even crack them or drive dust further in, which is exactly what you don't want to do. So here's my recommendation and a way of saving money. Buy a microfiber flannel, dampen it with water. If the thing that you are cleaning is very dirty, add a tiny drop of dishwashing liquid to that water. You don't need alcohol, and you have to be careful with alcohol because again, some of these surfaces will react to a strong solvent. First things first, Shake your keyboard upside down and prepare to vomit as bits of (laughs) horrible, horrible stuff just falls right out. Then, and hopefully you have this hoover attachment, use the soft furniture brush attachment of your vacuum cleaner. If you haven't got one, buy one. It won't scratch your equipment. And then... Hoover your keyboard. This might take some time. It did for me. It took me an inordinate amount of time to get all the filth out. Once I did that, I wiped it down without aforementioned damp flannel. I got right down between the keys. In some cases, you might need to buy cotton wool buds or... Alternatively, if that's too hard to find, you can get a soft dishwashing sponge, cut a piece out, and wrap it round the end of a lolly stick. So if you are partial to magnums, keep your lolly sticks. And use an elastic band to hold it there. So that is a tiny piece of foam wrapped around the end of a lolly stick. Or you can even cut that lolly stick down the center to make it narrower. And then tie the foam on with an old elastic band. A little elastic band. And then you've got a handy between the keys keyboard cleaner. I'm saying all this because cotton wool buds are now hard to find because of the health risk of shoving them into your ears. Anyway, get right down between the keys with your flannel, with your tiny sponge on a stick, and just as a tangent, if you want to know what other uses for sponges on a stick there are, just... Google, sponges on a stick, Romans. I know, right? You can also use a clean microfiber dampen cloth to clean your TV. Again, if it is particularly disgusting, add a tiny drop of dishwasher. I've now cleaned my computer monitor, my laptop monitor, the TV. Everything looks great. I also rinsed my never-before-used plastic keyboard cover. You know those transparent plastic keyboard covers that come with new keyboards and then you just put them to one side or you throw them away? Well, I'm using it now. I'm also trying to keep my hands clean before using the keyboard, which is surprisingly difficult because Wotsits or Cheetos, yeah those don't mix with keyboards. What other personal computing stuff can I say? Oh, yes, yes, yes. My mouse died. I had this fancy HP optical wireless mouse, and it started randomly activating the wrong windows. I thought for about a week that I had a virus. I was actually pretty desperate until I just tried the obvious thing that I should have tried first, but I didn't. First I tried the virus checking thing, then I tried unplugging and plugging my keyboard because my ducky zero keyboard has given me problems before when the firmware has gone wonky, but no, it was the mouse. So that's now in the corner of forgotten tech along with my now non-functioning lighted mirror, just waiting to be driven to the dump. So instead, I have replaced it with a cheap, but very retro WISE, W-Y-S-E mouse. Do you remember WISE? Those terminals, those POS systems. Anyway, I bought this one for about two pounds, I think, at a computer fair and it's got the Wise logo on it and everything. It's very retro, and it's an optical mouse, and even better, it's a wired mouse. I'm just sick of wireless stuff, which seem to be a giant pain and always require batteries. The only thing that isn't great about this mouse is it's very light. But, yeah, my mouse is now working again. My new mouse is working again. Next. Let's talk about plain text. I favour plain text, and I'm always talking about how I like plain text, and I use plain text to write the show notes. Because no matter what HTML formatting I try, it's just not as flexible as plain text. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm still using plain text, although I am tidying up the text of past show notes, so it looks much nicer. The line breaks, for example, need to be in the right place and consistent, and I have to remove this terrible indenting that I did. I went through a phase of indenting my show notes because I'm a coder, and I thought to delineate sections with indentation. It was a disaster, and it was impossible to read. There's also, and this is where plain text gets complicated, a Unicode problem, because some of those plain text files are plain, plain ASCII text created in Metapad. Metapad, or hail Liquid Ninja, the developer of Metapad, that I've used for years. Other show notes have been created in Unicode-aware text editors, And then there's the DOS versus Unix line endings, which gets me to how un-universally consistent text files are. And it does make me think whether I should rethink not using HTML. It's going to be a faff if I do make full blog posts rather than just text files out of my show notes because do you remember what the ultimate reason for these show notes were? Well, I'll tell you if you don't. It was to stuff them into an ID3 version 2 unsynced lyrics tag. And that requires very simple, clean, plain text. The only problem with that is I do wonder who will be able to see these show notes if I stuff them into an unsynced lyrics tag of an mp3 file because most podcast apps don't seem to display lyrics I don't know this is all over the place as you can hear from me muddling on about it even as I'm doing the show even as I'm reading my show notes I'm all over the place for this I'm so mixed up I just don't know what to do Another thing I should remind myself of even if most podcast managers and players don't show those show notes fully, maybe I should do it anyway because ultimately I'll be uploading my podcasts to archive.org and then it's much easier to have a very self contained mp3 file that tells the listener or the digital archaeologist or the aliens from very far in the future when we have heated this planet to a crisp and there's no one left what the podcast file was about so i don't know suggestions please Let's move on to WWDC, or as some people don't call it, DubDub. No one calls it that. No one calls it DubDub. It's WWDC. I refuse to believe anyone calls it DubDub. It just sounds stupid. (laughs) I don't have that much news. It happened. I paid attention minimally. I do know that there's a new Mac Pro with up to 28 core Xeons and 1.5 terabyte of RAM and 8 PCIe slots, 2 to 4 Radeon Pro Vega, 2 Duo GPUs, it's upgradable, and whereas pre-TrashCan Cheese Grater Mac Pros looked vaguely like Cheese Graters, even without creatively exercising your imagination, this one actually does look like a cheese grater. (laughs) Who designed this thing? I don't think it's beautiful. It looks literally like a cheese grater. I have a cheese grater. It looks like that. (sighs) I think it's funny because it's just so expensive. And how expensive? Well, the base price model with an eight-core Intel Xeon running at three point five gigahertz, with thirty-two gig of RAM and a piddling <laughs> two hundred and fifty-six gigabyte SSD, and a Radeon Pro five eighty X will set you back. Uh, I am trying to see my show notes. Five thousand. $999. And that's without a monitor. To give you a bit of comparison, in the UK the iMac Pro, I think the top spec one, costs just below £5,000. It is expensive. And if you upgrade it, it can get a lot more expensive. But At the base price, it isn't that different to an iMac, but bear in mind it comes without a monitor. And oh, that monitor, a 6K monitor. It's called the Apple Pro Display XDR 6K. It is 31.6 inches and it costs $4,999 US. The stand is extra and costs $999, or you can buy a VESA mount for $199. (laughs) This pricing structure seems unusual and petty. There is also a matte display option, but no, it's not a normal matte display option. It is a display with a nano texture. So... I suppose what they're saying is they change the texture of the screen rather than adding a coating. It's subtractive rather than additive. And how much does this wonderful texture cost? An extra $1,000. A $1,000. And the thing is, even after saying all that, it's probably worth it. Because displays with that high resolutions and 6K are rare and ferociously expensive. But charging extra for the stand and the VESA mount is petty and ludicrous. I would have said $5,000 including the stand and the VESA mount and a free option of matte or glossy, just according to customer specification, would have been fairer. What else has been happening, apart from me now including the word piddling and ludicrous endlessly in this podcast? Oh, iOS 13 seems to have more multitasking options, particularly friendly towards an iPad, which seems to be going towards being a proper-ish standalone tablet computer. Although, if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that I really don't think of iOS as locked down as it is as a appropriate platform for real computing. There's also macOS Catalina, which is just around the corner. I don't know much about that. From what I've read, there won't be that many changes and it certainly won't change the way I work. I have debated whether when Windows 7 finally bites the dust in January next year that I might start using Mac OS full-time on my Mac Mini rather than Boot Camp Windows 7. I know that it will run on my late 2012 Mac Mini. I think Mac OS... Catalina will run on 2011 machines, but anything before that, and you're stuck with whatever the latest incarnation of MacOS is, which is ridiculous. I don't know what it is, as I own a Mac, but I never boot into the Mac portion, so I can't even remember that. Oh yeah, the hideous iTunes is finally being broken up, unbundled into discrete apps, there will be a podcast app. And we actually saw signs of this earlier this year when I noticed that my iTunes podcast webpage started redirecting to a dedicated podcast page. That's actually welcome because iTunes is genuinely pants. People say that it's better on the Mac platform than Windows. I disagree. I think it's pants on every platform. It is horrible. When I boot into my Mac partition to do anything in iTunes, I always have to Google. I have no idea where anything is. Everything is buried under multiple menus. It is impossible. It is hideous. Goodbye. Good riddance. Let's stick a stake through the heart of iTunes, and hammer it in with a sledgehammer. Goodbye, iTunes. I mourn you not. And E3. My coverage of E3 was less than minimal. I know that it happened. It happened from the 11th to the 13th. It happened in America somewhere. Blah, blah, Keanu... Cyberpunk 2077, that was a thing. I didn't pay attention. I'm sorry. There's only just so much time, and I was a bit sick. Amazon. Okay. You know about my ongoing problem with Amazon and some of the things that they sell, and the fact that they just don't seem to want to stick to their own terms and conditions Amazon look what happened to YouTube and pay attention it's only a matter of time when you two will have to get rid of Nazis by Nazis I don't just mean customers I mean resellers but let's not go into that now just rewind to an earlier podcast an earlier few podcasts when I talk about that Anyway, the point I'm making here is I finally gave in. I tried buying some items from non-Amazon dealers, and I even managed to save some money. I did that buying some guitar strings and ukulele strings, but there are just some things that are impossible to find. And I have to report to you that I caved. This is mainly because of a brand that only sells through Amazon in the UK. While it irritates me no end having to help Bezos, sometimes there is no realistic alternative unless you want to die for your ideals, and I'm not a martyr. One thing I did learn, though, is that sometimes it does pay financially to shop around and not go to Amazon, it is possible to find other online retailers that sell stuff cheaper than Amazon does, particularly if you are a musician or someone like me who's just a hobbyist. It is worth shopping around. Amazon haven't completely won yet. I heard that Sega have finally announced the full list of games that will ship with their Sega Mega Drive Mini in September. The games may vary slightly region dependent. Unfortunately, it does not include some of my favorites including Mortal Kombat 2, Chakan Forever Man, Dragon's Fury and PGA Tour Golf due to, I suppose, licensing issues. Maybe, and this is what I'm hoping, someone will hack the system later on and we'll be able to add those games. Much in the same way that this was done for the Nas and the SNES Mini. Fingers crossed, everyone. I still don't know whether it's something on my shopping list. We'll see. I have other things more important to buy, but the thought of having a Sega Mega Drive that you can plug straight into a giant TV with HDMI and not worry about scaling anything is difficult to resist. It will cost £69.99 in the UK and we have covered it to death already in this podcast but just to sum up, you'll be able to get it at most major UK retailers but to be safe, pre-ordering... Might be a good idea. And that's the Sega Mega Drive Mini coming in September. And amazingly, after only, only 50 minutes. I've been talking for 50 minutes. What is wrong with me? I'm sorry. I'll let everyone get on with your day because this is the end of the show. And I have editing to do. And another show to tape very soon. Crash is produced, presented and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymartha.com. For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this podcast and the show notes are still in plain text. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend. You were listening to Crash, the UK Geek Show episode 270, recorded on Sunday the 16th of June 2019, and the time at the end of the show is four minutes past one exactly. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!